We're going to spend a couple of segments with Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. He's standing by here on the HUGE Show across Michigan. Welcome back, Mark. Good afternoon, Bill. All right. I know we touched on this, I think, a few months ago on air. And and with the transgender athlete stories out there on a daily basis, without getting into politics, I wanted you to refresh for anybody who didn't hear it before uh, the guidelines slash rules, however you want to describe them, connected to the Michigan High School Athletic Association that are in place when it comes to transgender athletes in the state of Michigan. So we've had a, so this topic, Bill, um, for every conversation I continue to have, it dwarfs the actual number of students um, who have fallen under the policy. We now are going on. Uh, nearly a decade of having a, a policy on transgender students. I can tell you that over the past decade, um, on average, we have less than one student a year that contacts our office uh, looking for clarification, guidance, and ultimately an eligibility um, determination. The way our policy works, and what's ironic, is last week the federal government put out um, some pr- a Essentially, it's a proposal that would fall under uh, future Title IX guidance when it comes to transgender students. And essentially what that policy uh, and proposal said is that blanket um, denials of transgender students uh, participating in athletics would become illegal under federal law. But on the other side of the guidance, it also said that uh, individual decisions can be made Uh, when it comes to transgender athletes based on age and competitiveness um, as well as safety and in the sport of choice. So um, essentially what came out last week and got a lot of news coverage um, simply affirmed what we've been doing now for a decade. The way that our policy works is that um, when there is a transgender student who wishes to participate, uh, if it is a trans Um, If it was a student who was um, female at birth, um, so birth gender being female, um, and that student becomes a trans boy, uh, that student can participate because our current rules now allow any female athlete to participate in any uh, girl or boy sport. That's why we currently have students uh, females that currently play football, and if a school doesn't have a, a girls' soccer team, they're able to play uh, boys' soccer, etc. So that that population really doesn't fall under our policy because those kids can compete. It's the students that were birth gender male and are now a trans girl student. Those kids who seek eligibility, we ask for information. We make a individual. Um, decision on each student we ask the school what do your school records indicate this student is Um, if this student is a trans girl um, what kind of hormone suppression therapy has gone on Um, has there been any gender reassignment surgery a lot of those questions that a lot of the national governing bodies and, and back when this started the NCAA would ask simply so we can have all the information regarding Um, the student situation and what it's allowed us to do is work with schools, work with families to really, I think, find a good balance 
between trying to find opportunities where we can, but yet also making sure that uh, we're making determinations based on safety and also based on um, competitive balance. And I'll, I'll end where I started. Um, the policy's been in place uh, roughly a decade, and we have approved less than 10 students to participate over that decade. And uh, we have not gotten any pushback from any of our schools um, previously with the ter- determinations that have been made. So last week's uh, news story really uh, reaffirmed what we've been doing now for nearly a decade. And when I read that story, that's what prompted me to reach out to you and revisit uh, this topic on the HUGE show on MHSA Wednesday because the way they read it uh, paralleled what you've been doing, you mentioned, for almost a decade. And I'm thinking, why why didn't the Ivy League do that uh, in regards to swimming? Why every pro sport, uh, anybody out there, follow the guidelines which you've had in place for 10 years, which the government just echoed in regards to Title IX uh, following or adhering to those rules? that it seems to be a real simple process. Now, some will say, Mark, off of what you just said, and I, I, before I even went to you, I, I brought up uh, when there's no boys volleyball offered, and this was back when the seasons changed uh, because of Title IX in that lawsuit, uh, which the Michigan High School Athletic Association was a part of. I said, well, you know, boys can't go play volleyball because boys would take every roster spot of the girls. And that's the reason competitive balance, why boys aren't allowed to play in sports not offered. Correct? That's correct. And, and I think what your listeners need to understand is, you know, Title IX is in place not to represent both genders equally. It's to represent the history and it's to protect opportunities for the historically underrepresented gender which obviously has been female athletes. And in that, you know, many times what you mentioned, some of the other states, Bill, and the Ivy League, you know, first of all, some states have different state laws and and they need to abide by those. In Michigan, we currently have no uh, specific law that deals with transgender students and their opportunities. So um, that's what's allowed us to create our own policy. That's what's allowed us to have our own policy. And, you know, I think the the key part to our policy, which is different than, say, what the Ivy League did, is we want to know what that student story is. Um, how long has this individual been a, a, a trans uh, transgender student? Is this a bona fide transgender student, or is this simply uh, someone who, who gets out of bed one day and says that they're going to now identify um, as a girl when their their birth gender was that of a boy and they're going to do so to try and dominate athletically well under our policy we could stand up and say no uh, we are not going to give this individual eligibility but yet what our policy has also been able to do is for these students um, who have been transgender for a number of years have met um, the criteria all their school records um, refer to them as is the transgender then we're also able to make uh, decisions on on the other side of that fence. So, um, again, we have the ability to say no when it's appropriate, and we also have the ability to, to say yes when it's appropriate. And that's why we think we've really found the sweet spot of being able to take every one of these complicated situations. Again, it's been less less than ten over the years um, where we've been able to make what we believe is the the right and fair decision for everybody involved. Common sense. Uh, it really is just common sense guidelines, Mark. And when you first brought it to my attention, 
couple months ago, I'm like, you know, this is a blueprint uh, for the rest of the country. It's fair. Uh, it, it, it hinges on hormones, testosterone, uh, the competitive advantage, uh, those levels, uh, which all should be uh, looked at. And I am surprised that, um, you know, every state, every sports governing body uh, isn't doing this. Uh, what the state of Michigan is doing at the high school level. And then I saw the story last week from the government saying you can't blanket, which would be discrimination. OK, I get that. Right. I, I understand yep. that. It would be discrimination. But you're going to look at it case by case. And you mentioned in a decade, state of Michigan, 10 million uh, people. How many student athletes each year for about 180,000, 180,000, all the Michigan high schools. So that's 10 years. And I know students are there four years, but we'll just say 180,000 a year. And you've had one. So the question is, you know, the politics involved in this. Uh, have uh, has the governor's office or anybody came to you in the last couple of months and said we need to talk about your policy or what are you doing uh, connected to transgendered athletes? We have not. Um, a bill was proposed uh, during the last legislative session um, of which there was no conversation ahead of time. Um, a group of lawmakers put forth a, a, a bill that would have uh, limited uh, competition to the the birth gender. And we simply felt that we did not need to engage in that conversation, that our policy was working, and that legislation ended up uh, not moving anywhere. So, no, we haven't had any recent conversations. And just like today, Bill, whenever we're, we're offered the opportunity to talk on this issue, we just emphasize what our policy is, that, that folks know uh, that it's there and what it does. And, and the other thing is, Again, that it's been less than 10 students over the last decade that uh, we've even, you know, had a story that we've had to look into and consider and ultimately uh, make a decision on. So we we feel like what we're doing right now uh, works for us. And like I said, it was only uh, confirmed and reaffirmed with what the federal government put out last week. And I will say from on the outside looking in, uh, to what MHSA does for the member schools, for the student athletes, boys and girls, uh, people of all races, all uh, religious denominations, uh, everything is fair and equal treatment uh, in the state of Michigan when it comes uh, to high school sports. On that note, I know Title IX, the celebration, and the Michigan High School Athletic Association has been a part of it, Mark. I do want you to hang around uh, the impact of Title IX on high school sports. Uh, in the state of Michigan, where it's at now and moving forward. Uh, We'll spend a few minutes on that topic. I know you're a busy man, so stick around, Mark, okay? Will do. All right, Mark, you're executive director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association. I know I've said it before to all of you. I watched this man deal with COVID and the politics and the pressures. I watched him on air, off air. I've never seen anybody, even the tone of his voice today, You hear fairness. You hear common sense. And some will say they've had one case in 10 years. Why is this a hot-button story? Because it went political. Michigan High School Athletic Association has never allowed it to go political because here are our rules or guidelines. But my Lord, with Twitter, Facebook, and everything out there right now, You would think there's a thousand transgender athletes ready to hit high schools. 
That's why we all need to step back and take a deep breath, because if we live by Twitter, we can die by Twitter. We'll talk about Title IX, its impact on female high school athletes in the state of Michigan. Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, will join us. I do want your thoughts on boys, girls, transgender athletes, state of Michigan. It's our huge question of the day. Uh, you can join in one 866 I will tell you, I'm not going to take calls until the end of the hour, uh, next hour, but I will listen to you, with you listening to Mark and myself. Uh, so just keep the number. Call me later, one 866 And also, on the social networks, add HUGE Show on Twitter, The HUGE Show on Facebook, and you can opt in on the HUGE text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. The Huge Show is back live across Michigan on an MHSAA Wednesday. You can follow everything Michigan High School Sports at MHSAA.com. And also, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And if you want to watch live and on demand, high school spring sports, winter events, and more, go to MHSAA.tv. Michigan High School Athletic Association Executive Director Mark Ewell uh, joining us. Uh, we talked about the guidelines for transgender athletes and the rules that have been in place for 10 years, a common sense system for Michigan high schools and the student athletes. And last year you had the 50th anniversary of Title IX and the Michigan High School Athletic Association did a full year uh, saluting the advancement of high school sports in the state of Michigan on the ladies' side. Uh, how has it grown, Mark? Uh, when you talk about that decade that we just mentioned since you had the transgender athlete uh, rules and guidelines in place, uh, the growth of girls' participation in high school sports in the state of Michigan. How has that been over the last decade? Or maybe if you roll back to 1972 when Title IX first came into play. It's been incredible. Um, I had a really unique professional experience last year. I was part of... Uh, the governor's task force on women in sports. Um, it was actually chaired by our Secretary of State, uh, Jocelyn Benson, uh, an incredibly diverse group of representatives uh, on that panel, one of which was Carol Hutchins. And Carol, of course, just retired uh, at the end of last season as the longtime softball coach at the University of Michigan. Well, Carol played basketball um, at Michigan State in the late 70s. And uh, she played uh, women's basketball and softball at the same time, ironically, with Magic Johnson. And she was able to share some experiences, again, from still in the 70s of what her experience was like at a Big Ten school, what the women's teams were given, what the men's teams were given, and just, um, you know, the ongoing battle for more um, progress and equality. And, and so now when you fast forward over the 50 years of Title IX and you know, what we pride ourselves on at the MHSAA is it's not just about opportunities for kids. Um, it's not just having the same basketball opportunities for girls that you have for boys. Even though it is incredibly personal and important to me that all of our dual gender sports, those sports where there's both boys and girls, that the seasons are the same length, the number of games are the same length, and our final venues 
for both are as equal as absolutely possible. You know, I'm proud of the fact that both girls and boys basketball finals are at the Breslin Center at Michigan State. I'm proud that our tennis finals, our swim finals, our golf finals are the same venues and courses uh, that we use for both the boys and the girls. Uh, Girls soccer, they even get a little bit more of the benefit because girls soccer, we play those championships in mid-June on the best grass surface you could find in Michigan State University, while for boys soccer, which is the first Saturday in November, we have to use high school facilities with turf just based on the weather and field conditions. So it's not just the opportunities and kind of the nuts and bolts of the experiences that we provide, but we're just as passionate about finding leadership opportunities for women as well. We sponsor every other year the largest women in sports leadership conference anywhere in the country, and we try and we bring in over a 1,000 uh, female student-athletes to the um, hotel in, in uh, the Lansing area. We meet for two days, and we try and show young women that there are pathways not just for participation but leadership, whether it's in administration or whether it's in coaching or whether it's in officiating or whether it's in sports medicine. And so it's important that we not just meet the letter of what Title IX requires in terms of participation opportunities, but we really try and go above the spirit of Title IX that uh, we're not just meeting what the law requires, but we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that there are opportunities for young women, uh, not just as participants, but also as future leaders. And um, having been married to my wife, I will be married 27 years this summer. Every day I've known Marcy. She's been a high school basketball coach. We met she was just finishing up her college basketball career. Uh, I was coaching in college at Caledonia High School where she was student teaching and coaching girls basketball. So literally for the 29 years I've known my wife, she's been a high school coach every day that we've been together. And she's provided just incredible insight and feedback, um, which has really given me a unique perspective. And then, you know, our youngest kid's now a 16-year-old high school sophomore, and she's a three-sport athlete. And uh, it really even becomes uh, personal when you've got a couple family members that uh, probably love sports uh, or are involved in sports at a higher level than even I am. So uh, that's why it's so important to the MHSAA generally and also to me uh, as the director personally. Yeah, and being just a sports dad, uh, you've had sons and daughters uh, go through the high school ranks in the state of Michigan. I will say when... I had my daughter, Ava, that my viewpoint changed. And even today, I'll still challenge a school and say, wait a minute, you're sending the boys with a bus to and from and the girls have to get a ride home? No way. And I'll and I ride them and I'll, I'll tell the school like, no, you got to make this fair and equal. You know, you have to boys get a deluxe football bus, but you're going to send the girls uh, on just a regular school bus. So it's being that sports dad, but also the fairness, the equality. And you mentioned Title IX, and when it came into play in 1972, it basically reads in a simple form, no person in the United States shall on the basis of sex be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. And that's the key, receiving federal financial assistance. And also, 
on the basis of sex. So that ties back in uh, to Title IX and also uh, the current transgender athlete debate that we see at multiple levels uh, across this country. Mark, I, I, I knew when we never talked beforehand, I just said, hey, we're going to talk about this in the first segment, this in the next segement. Uh, I knew you would be straightforward, honest, and deliver a lot of stuff that a lot of people hadn't heard. And that's my entire goal when I bring you in studio, when we do have our conversations on the phone, uh, because you can really educate uh, the moms and dads, the high school sports fans, school administrators, and more who are listening all across Michigan. You set it up, Bill, and uh, no, it's always a great conversation, and no, we are as open and transparent as we can possibly be in what we think are all areas, but especially when questions and concerns come up with Title IX and, and you know, now this new kind of subset under Title IX of transgender. And, no, our, our policies and the way we handle it um, are out in the open. They are as transparent as transparent can be because I believe that uh, is always the best way to operate. All right, what's uh, the next sport that will be added for girls? Because then you'll need, you know, under Title IX, you'll need the next sport added for boys. I know we've talked about that a lot. Uh, the next sport for girls, uh, is it is it ice hockey? Is it, uh, you know, girls flag football? I know the seasons uh, bring a little bit more of a challenge than down south. Uh, what do you think will be the next sport added or what's on – uh, the short list for Michigan high schools on the female side and also on the male side. So that's that's a really good question, and you know, and I think in association work, uh, timing is truly everything. And you know, as we were in the middle of the pandemic and, and really coming out of the pandemic, it was clear from our schools that we wanted to stabilize what we were currently sponsoring um, rather than adding anything new. And. Now, as we are really getting into a, a post-pandemic world, it's time that we go back to that short list and we look at the sports, whether it be boys volleyball or whether it be girls uh, ice hockey. You know, water polo is something where we've had some conversations with, um, you know, really trying to figure out uh, what's next, what's the, the new opportunities for kids, but yet also making sure that we can support and stabilize what our current sport offerings are. Um, you know, interest of kids today is different than what it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. And that's got to be something to where that ultimate decision is really driven by our membership in making sure that, uh, you know, girls wrestling was, was really uh, very straightforward to add. When we added it, you know, some said, well, you shouldn't have the same 14 weight classes with the boys because you've got far fewer girls. Well, I said, no, uh, not just under the letter of Title IX, but the spirit of Title IX, if the boys have 14 weight classes, we're going to have 14 different weight classes for girls because opportunities are going to be the same for boys and girls. And um, just going to shoot straight with you, Bill, the, the most challenging thing is certainly the most uh, popular emerging sport is boys' volleyball. And if boys' volleyball is something that continues to move forward on um, something that, that could be part of our program, then the, the question that we've got to get answered sooner rather than later is what then is that next opportunity for girls uh, to make sure that uh, that we're compliant with everything that Title IX requires. So I guess that'll be a reason, Bill, for us to have the ongoing conversation on the weeks and months ahead because uh, that's a decision where, where we're just not close to having yet. Yeah, because I the boys' volleyball seems easy. You play it in the spring, the gyms are open. Uh, that, that seems like an easy one, but it, it's adding the girls – 
uh, sport to match the equal opportunity in Title IX that, you know, girls ice hockey, you know, uh, rink time is always tough, still is. A lot of teams are practicing before school, like at 5.30, 6 in the morning. And uh, the flag football, I know we've discussed that multiple times in the studio. Uh, when do you play that? Do you play it in the fall? Uh, do girls double up and play two sports uh, in the fall? Uh, you know, do you play girls football and use the fields and play it on Mondays and Tuesdays? Who knows? I mean, it's a, it's interesting. The list isn't, you know, for adding sports, yeah, volleyball, water polo you mentioned. There, it's not like a laundry list that's long with like 10 sports you could add tomorrow. No, that's that's really the the biggest challenge as you said the the boys volleyball i mean you've already got uh gyms you've already got the equipment many cases you've already got a coaching network that's easy to plug into um you know we just haven't seen the girls over the last decade that we thought we'd see in girls ice hockey so that's why we're just uh you know we're going to listen to our board we're going to listen to our schools and really uh try and get this right not necessarily get it fast Mark, appreciate the conversation this hour on the huge show across Michigan. Safe travels, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Talk to you soon. All right, Mark Ewell, Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, uh, joining us on this MHSAA Wednesday. Remember, you can follow everything Michigan High School sports. And if you want to read their guidelines on transgender athletes, Title IX, and more, you can go to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook. And if you want to watch live spring sports or on-demand winter and fall sports, they have an entire library, MHSAA.tv.